our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your host, Sam and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. I feel like I start a lot of episodes by saying, this is so timely, this is so exciting, but I feel that way about every episode that we record and I don't think that's a bad thing. In saying that, my God, this episode is timely and I'm excited to chat about it. I have never had so many requests about an episode in my life. I mean, on one hand, that makes sense. As we continue to grow, we get more requests. But this was something that just continued to come up time and time again. And I'll be honest, I was kind of going through it when the news came out about the bank. I was like, I just don't want to know about this right now. It's just going to be so much information. But I find like Yes, it is overwhelming. Yes, there's a lot going on. It makes you question, but that's what we're here for. We're here to break it down. We're here to explain what the truth is, what like the, you know, tears, what the facts are, and also what the fluff is that you actually do not need to worry about. I just want to say that that's an important thing to note because it does feel like doomsday every time you turn the TV on or you put your phone on. It is completely valid and okay that you take a step back from certain pieces of news and choose not to engage. So I think this episode and what we're laying out it is more conversational and also as if you've never heard of this thing before. So I hope it really <laughs> breaks it down, beginner level, you've been living under a rock or you've chosen to ignore this and be oblivious for a little while. Your two best friends are here to explain everything to you. Someone once said that we're like the older sisters of finance. And I, on one hand, I was like, are we that old? <gasps> I would cry. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, but I get it. It's like older sister energy. It's like reassurance energy. It's like, don't worry, we got you. Like this is, you know, when you talk to a boy, like make sure X, Y, Z, you take care of this and like red flags to look out for. Like that's what we do. But like with the financial sector. I'm happy with that. Are you? I can live with that. little funny tangent. I went to a like book writers festival yesterday. It was like a launch and they had invited me and I was like, you know what? I'll go between you and me. I thought Rupi Kaur was going to be there. <laughs> she wasn't. So I, I turned up and I met someone that I wasn't expecting to. A lady came up to me and she was like, what high school did you go to? And I told her my high school. And she was like, I used to be the nurse at that high school. And my jaw dropped because I just realized she was. And I- We went to the same high school. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so it was the nurse. I don't know if you remember her, but I used to go to the sick bay all the time. Like the sick bay is the nurse's <laughs> office. And I sometimes was it warranted? No. Sometimes I was just there because I didn't want to be in class. Sometimes I had like really bad cramps, but I was a really dramatic kid. So she like remembered me <laughs> and remembered my name. She was like, I saw your name on the like writer's board. And I was like, oh, I know that kid. I used to like take care of her. That is really cute. And I'm like, it's cute that she remembers you because as a school nurse, you see so many kids. The fact that you're a repeat offender probably adds to the fact that she remembers you. But there's so many stories like that. Like people coming up to my mum and being like, we remember when she was like five or six and she'd come into office and she'd sit next to you and now look at it. And I'm like, Mm. that's so funny yeah because there was a school of like 2,500 girls like I was one of many people with cramps but I must have really been there a lot that was such a great and relevant story to the Silicon Valley bank closure thank you for sharing you are so welcome so let's get right into it Now, before we begin, we want to take a moment to thank our season sponsor for powering this week's episode. Are you ready to take control of your financial future and you don't know where to begin? Meet Perla, the Aussie investing platform that makes it easy for anyone to invest in the stock market and build a sensible, diversified portfolio. With Perla, you can start investing with as little as $5. Perla's unique community-driven experience guides you through the process of selecting your investment goals, creating a portfolio tailored to your needs and tracking your progress over time. One of the things that we love most about Perla is their commitment to financial education. Perla commits to empowering investors through tools like template portfolios with access to easier investing and supportive community connections. Perla also offers great insight and data that help pave the way for equitable investing. Their research finds women are investing more of their income than men and more women invest on their platform than men. Perla also walks the walk with open pay transparency to help facilitate open conversations about wage, roles and opportunities within the financial industry. If you're feeling overwhelmed by all the options, Perla's platform is intuitive and easy to use with powerful tools that give you control over your investments. You can track your portfolio's performance, set up automatic investments and even invite friends and family to invest alongside you. Don't wait to start building your financial future. Check out Perla.com today and start investing in your goals. So the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank is something that we wanted to speak about today for a number of reasons. Some people have said it is like the start of the 2008 global financial crisis. The co-head of tech, media and telecommunications for Goldman Sachs in Europe said it was a bit like the Lehman movement uh, or moment for technology. So basically alluding to the fact that it felt like the global financial crisis was happening again. Basically, A very, very large bank, the 16th largest bank in the U.S. collapsed. It was a huge source of funding for tech startups in the U.S. and for venture capital firms. It was shut down and taken over by the U.S. government after its clientele, like its customers, withdrew billions of dollars out of their accounts, just basically ran the heck away with their money from it and It just left a lot of questions and people thought, you know, this was the beginning of the domino effect and and what's going to happen now. So do you think before we even begin that this is going to be like the worst thing that's happened in 2023 for the financial markets? 
No. And I say that because we're only in March and there's an entire year to be had. And I feel like sometimes life, the world, the universe humbles you really quick when you're like, surely that's it. You know, something worse is on the horizon always, guys. Keep that in mind. Totally kidding. It's like when in January 2020 the Australian bushfires happened and it was so scary. Because do you remember that? Those, like the smoke clouds, if you can call it that. Oh, my gosh. We could see that. Came over to New Zealand and our skies were like yellow Mm. and that was really scary. And then COVID hit like two months later and that was the biggest, biggest story. So, you know what? Unfortunately, I do agree. But let's get into what actually happened. We also want to break down like explaining how it all works, the consequences of what it means for you and red flags to look out for in the future. Because if there's anything we are good at, it is finding red flags. First things first, March 10th happens. SVB or Silicon Valley Bank is quite stressed out. It shuts down. Like I said, their clientele was scrambling to figure out how to make payroll, figure out what to do. They pulled out money. But before all that happened in 1983, that was when they were founded, which to me is actually quite young. They were considered a reliable bank, a reliable source of funding. And their main, like if you could label them as like what they're there for, they were the bank that would fund tech startups and venture capital firms. And they were a subsidy of the SVB financial group. So in simple terms, if a tech startup was like, hey, I want to get funding from like a venture capital, like a VC, I've got this great app idea, I want to help, like I want to start Uber. And then what Uber would do is they would go to like a venture capital and be like, hey, can you fund us? And the venture capital would be like, yes, of course, here's $20 million. And then where would they put that $20 million? They would put it in SVB Bank. So that's kind of how it was working. The reason why they crumbled in the way that they did can be broken down into three steps and I want to just discuss them with you Sonia because I think they're so interesting and I'll be honest you have like the best hot takes on all of these so I want to see what you have to say firstly they fired a woman that's actually not the issue but there we go this is what happened that would do it they had taken (laughs) on too much risk and they used to have a chief risk officer but Their chief risk officer, her name was Laura. She left the company in October 2022, but stopped performing her duties in April 2022. And so for a large chunk of the last year, they did not have a chief risk officer. And so that's actually something that the Federal Reserve are like looking into because they're like, that doesn't seem right. They did get one in in December, so someone has come on since then. But basically, they had taken on too much risk and there wasn't someone overseeing the risk that they had taken. Stupid. I can just imagine like two employees doing their roles and the role of the chief risk officer and then being like, yeah, that's fine as long as people work these extraordinary hours to get a certain amount of tasks done. That is very poor of you. SVB. I just imagine Laura being like, hey, we need to do X, Y, Z. Like we're, we're buying too many bonds. This is not okay. And then like not listening to her. And she's like, I'm just going to go. <laughs> so what happened, one of the main risks that they took on, either with or without Laura, I'm going to assume without, is that they had bought a lot of bonds. So in 2020, 2021, as we know, interest rates were really low. And one of the things that were doing quite well or what they were trying to do is they were buying up lots of bonds. Bonds are a type of investment that even a bank can buy. You and I can and buy them as well. 
And what happens is the idea is you are giving your money to the bond. The bond might be owned by a government or another company. And you're like, hey, I'm going to expect that money back with me plus like 3% interest. So not a lot of interest. They had bought so many bonds, like more bonds than anyone should have to the point where they didn't realize that interest rates were going to jump up so much higher. And now the bonds that they had bought were worth less because why would someone buy a bond when an online bank account is giving you like 5% returns, like a 5% interest rate, the bonds are now worth less. So earlier this month in March, they had revealed that they had to sell $21 billion worth of securities at a $1.8 billion loss. And that was partially due to buying too many bonds because they'd taken on too much risk because their chief risk officer, Laura, left the company. So that was number one. Thoughts? That's, yeah, like the fact that it's that is just number one is a little bit worrying to me. <laughs> I'm already worried. <laughs> You're just like, I could have been the chief risk officer and like saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's one thing for me, like someone like me to be like, yeah, who's going to buy a bond, like blah, 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 whatever discourse that they were having in their little like Teams chat. It's another thing not to take action <laughs> as a bank. Do you know what I mean? That's very true. They're not ordinary people thinking these thoughts and like sometimes I use them as like a soundboard for my dumb little thoughts and like ideas never as you should do with your friends. It's very different. <laughs> for banks to be in this line of thinking do you know what i mean svb was like hey can i have some coffee and like pick your brain for a moment (laughs) (laughs) so basically number two the reason why they collapsed is people were pulling out their money due to lack of vc funding so remember when i said that companies like let's say uber or like any tech startup had all their money from vc in this bank now that the world is kind of tighter with with money it's not as liquid there's lots of inflation people aren't buying as much there's huge tech layoffs what we're starting to see is vcs venture capitalists are not really funding a lot of new projects right now because it's not really the time to like it is really risky to be like hey i want to come up with a new business idea when people aren't spending money and no one's going to be funding me And so these businesses that were originally relying on venture capital to fund them, and by fund them, I mean like pay for their payroll and like the money that they got from funding was allowing them to make new projects and hire new people. They didn't have VC anymore for that. So they had to go to SVB Bank where their money was kept, you know, that big gift of cash, what a cash that they were given. And they started drawing out that money, pulling out that money bit by bit to cover their expenses because they weren't having funding coming through anymore. For a bank, if you like think about it, banks need lots of money in their account to then lend out to others. But if they're not having that big pool of cash anymore because everyone that deposits money is now pulling out that money, they have nothing to lend. And so they're not making money. So number two was a lot of companies were pulling out their money due to lack of VC funding. Yeah. I think it's totally a rational thing though. Like, do you think that the people that were pulling out money, that they were doing it in a panic or that they had right, you always have a right to pull your money out. But I think- that the decision that they made was pretty rational and not like a panic. 
I'm going to pull this out, you know? Absolutely. I think at the start it was normal and then, you know, like rumors fly and you can start to see some like cracks and then you, as soon as that happens, you start to panic. And like, let's say I own Uber and you own Airbnb. And if you see, if you like have a friend be like, hey, did you see Uber pulled out like $20 million last week? You'll be like, should I do that? Like, am I, should I? Like, as much as we think like these large companies are super stable and super like objective, at the end of the day, they're still run by humans and we still have like, we have our intelligent side of us and then we have like our monkey brain and our monkey brain sees what other people are doing and then we just panic and we jump. Like, if you told me that you pulled out all of your cash from your bank account, are you going to say that I wouldn't do the same? I'd be like, maybe she knows something I don't. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win, win, win. To learn more about how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. Uh, these just keep getting better and better. Is there a third reason? There is. And I think this is my favorite oh, one. Goody. <laughs> so in 2018, Bernie Sanders basically said that there was this new law that had come out. It was supported by Congress. It was signed by Donald Trump. And he was not happy with the law. In fact, he called it absurd because what this 2018 law did is it undid some of the credit requirements imposed under banking legislation that was brought in from the 2008 banking crisis. So the 2008 crisis happened and the US were like, we do not want this to happen again. We're going to make the laws stricter around what banks can do. And so one of the Mm -hmm. laws, it was under Dodd-Frank, the law, was that banks need to have at least $50 billion in assets. And that should be like, almost seen as a reserve or seen as you need to have this much to be considered systemically important. And this is going to allow you to like also undergo a stress test. You need to have a certain amount of capital and you need to have a living will if everything fails. And Donald Trump basically signed off to say, no, it doesn't have, like, let's backtrack on that. That's too hard for banks to do And the funny thing is, SVB, at that time, their chief executive, Greg Becker, went to Congress and, like, argued in 2015 to be like, we don't need to have $50 billion in threshold. He was like, his bank, which he called a mid-sized bank, do not present systemic risk. This is literally what he said, quote to quote. They do not present systemic risk. They don't need to have this $50 billion in threshold. At that time, they only had $40 billion. And so this like change in law 
to say, it's okay, you can be a little bit more risky, ended up being part of their demise. Had they stuck to the requirements to stop banks from failing, they, quote unquote, may not have failed. So Donald Trump was for the law, against the law? So Donald Trump signed the law to be like, these laws are too strict, let's reel it back in. Bernie Sanders was like, no, we need strict Mm. laws. And SVB was like, we don't need these strict laws. But had they kept to the strict laws, maybe they wouldn't have collapsed. Those reasons, I feel like, were they being reported on like during the time or is this all in hindsight that people are realizing all of this stuff had been said and done? I'll be honest, I think a lot of it was in hindsight. Like if you were to say, hey, let's like bank is buying a lot of bonds. Someone else would be like, it's a bank. They know what they're doing. Like back off. Like what do we know? I think a lot of it was hindsight. Yeah. I think the entire closure can be simplified. And this is probably a hot take and a controversial statement, but hey ho, here we go. Um, I feel like they just didn't diversify enough. Because like with the tech sector and just being known to fund like tech startups, they've had a pretty rough, I would say, year and a half that like I feel like the forecasting in during COVID times is a little bit too optimistic. But regardless of what like you're known for or what you put up, you should still have like diversified streams of income as a bank, you know? Exactly. So The morning of March 10 was a Friday. I'm sure it was a beautiful day in sunny Southern California, but the Fed and the FDIC, so the FDIC is the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. I will not be saying that every single time I have to mention them. So FDIC it is. They took a trip to Silicon Valley Bank to check out the company's finances But mere hours later, the California Department of Financial Prodecution and Innovation issued an order to take possession of the bank for inadequate liquidity and insolvency. So insufficient or inadequate liquidity is not having enough cash or easily convertible assets to cash. And insolvency is just a state of financial being. So when you're insolvent, you can't pay your debt back. Imagine coming to that conclusion mere hours of being at this bank. (laughs) <laughs> it's just I, I just I don't know babes what were we doing it here? gives me like Gordon Ramsay walking into those restaurants and he's like no nope, <laughs> yeah, absolutely like, not <laughs> like, the entire restaurant's like on fire <laughs> the next day at the press release which was to you know provide assurance damage control and an explanation as to what happened they announced that The SVB assets, they're going to be moved to a new bridge bank, Silicon Valley Bridge Bank, and they appointed a new CEO. So all of the assets, all of the money that people had deposited into this bank had been moved. And the reason was because they wanted to provide a new level of protection to clients of SVB, which which is fun and fresh, but If we think about it, on Friday, they made the call, you know, that they were taking control of the bank. Clients of SVP, they didn't have access to their accounts until like, I think, mid-Monday, which is a lot of uncertainty to be placed under, even if it was like for 48 hours when you don't have access to your money. If you told me I didn't even have access to my everyday bank account, which has like at most $1,000, that would stress me out. 
It's a stressful situation when you can't access a bank, regardless of what someone is saying in a press release that's supposed to provide comfort. If I can't access my bank account, I am going to worry. Mm. And they should know that. Anyways, the FDIC's standard insurance, it covers up to $250,000 per depositor. So the issue comes with if you've got more than that amount deposited, like, are you going to get all of that money back? That is actually still yet to be determined because it depends on what the regular gets as it sells the Silicon Valley assets or if another bank takes ownership of the remaining assets. There's still a lot of stuff that's being left in the gray, which we have yet to figure out. On March 17, 2023, Silicon Valley Bank's former parent company, SVB Financial Group, filed for bankruptcy. So when we thought things were going to get worse, it definitely did. Now, they don't involve a few things. So they don't include its remaining subsidiaries, the CVB Capital and CVB Securities, and the bridge bank that the FDIC had transferred SVB assets to this new bridge bank. It's not part of the bankruptcy And there's like another company called SVB Private that's not a part of the bankruptcy failing, but they're also not affiliated with the entire financial group in general. So yeah, you go from a sunny Friday morning of thinking things are going great to the regulators taking control of the bank to all your assets being moved to a new bank to filing for bankruptcy. Just another week in 2023, am I right, ladies? Honestly. Now, you might be listening to this at home and going, okay, like, that's great. I guess I personally know what not to do if I own a bank, but, like, what does this mean for me (laughs) as an investor, like an everyday person? Great question, folks. Are are the banks going to do the same? Like, should I pull out money out of my share market account? There's a lot going on. And, like, I think there's two main questions that people have. Is this going to happen to other banks and what's going to happen to the stock market? So let's just answer the first part of the question first. Are other banks going to collapse? Now, SVB isn't the only financial institution where they've bought into government bonds and those government bonds have dropped dramatically in their value. Remember, that was the first reason why they fell. So yes, there is a risk that other banks have made the same mistake and are very close to you know, coming into turmoil as well. But the Fed in the US have said that they have created additional funding for other banks to prevent it from happening again. They basically Mm -hmm. said, look, we can see some of you are trembling and we're just going to put some scaffolding around you. We're going to keep you supported because it's in no one's interest to see another bank collapse. It is worth mentioning, though, that It isn't very likely that this is going to happen to a lot of other banks because SVB is slightly different. It's not an everyday bank. It's not even an everyday investment bank or or commercial bank. They were heavily, heavily, heavily involved in the tech sector. And so by having such heavy exposure to the tech sector, the tech sector is what has like had all these layoffs, had all this trouble, has been hit hard by rising interest rates. Everyday normal banks that have diversification are probably going to be okay. Their tech 
area might be struggling, but if they invest in real estate, if they invest in healthcare, if they invest in education or energy, they probably will be fine. And most US and European banks have much, much, much stronger financial buffers than they did during the global financial crisis in 2008. The world learned their lesson the first time, and it is going to be a lot harder for banks to collapse this time around. So to answer that question, will other banks do the same? Likely not. Maybe some that were exposed to tech, but not in the way where like everyone's bank is going to like close in the next couple of months. Not at all. That's so reassuring to hear because it's so easy to snowball like your thoughts and our money's not safe anywhere and like all these very overwhelming questions that pop up. So cheers for that. You're welcome. The second part of the question is what does this mean for me in the stock market? Will there be volatility? The volatility, like a bank collapsing doesn't necessarily mean volatility, like the stock market just naturally goes up and down. It just means there is more fear that people have. And if people are uninformed and they think, oh my God, everything's going to collapse. I need my money. They're more likely to pull out that cash and have more cash reserves for their businesses, for their personal accounts. And so we will see a bit more volatility in the next couple of months, maybe even for the next year if this, you know, helps trigger more of a recession, especially in the US. But that then gets split off into, are you a short-term investor or are you a long-term investor? If I was investing and I needed my money in the next year, yes, it's going to be a very volatile time. And I might not have more money than I put in if I was putting in money right now. If I was a long-term investor, which Sonia and I are, does this change our strategy? Absolutely not. Like we are not investing more or less because of this news, because when you do this kind of work that we do, you will see that these things come and go so often. It feels like the big news story right now, but is this going to matter in 20 years time for me and my money? Not if I, I don't have money in that bank account specifically. And so many things change, like the world itself and how we operate and how we make our coin, like all of it changes. Like if we look at um, the Lehman Brothers crisis and all of that happening in 2008, you know, like things get better. But yeah, I hope that brings a little bit of reassurance as to what this means for investors. And I think it's also worth knowing what to look out for so that if these things start to change or tremble, like what the red flags are. So do you mind just sharing a few with us today? So I just want to make a quick disclaimer that some of the signs that we spoke about in this episode, they were discovered in hindsight and almost like the red flags that we see are, how did we miss that? There are a few warning signs to look out for for bank closures though, because it's important to understand that bank failures, they don't happen overnight. They don't happen abruptly. It's usually stream of like warning signs that you can pick up on and one is what are the CEOs doing because days before that little sunny southern California roadie the CEOs pulled out their stock of CVB and I think that's a major red flag also a little bit slimy that like that activity wasn't public knowledge until after the fact and they had time to like warn all their little friends and not the general public but maybe that's an episode for later two would be what are the signs of financial trouble in the bank's finance reporting so if they've got poor financial outlook like bank solvency liquidity 
If they've got delayed financial reporting, that's usually a sign. If there's a sharp decline in customer service, if there's restricted transaction activity that you're allowed to do within your accounts, and they're more aggressive signs of, oh my gosh, why is my bank account frozen? Why can't I do anything with my bank account? And why can't I contact anyone for a particular amount of time, which is what happened with the press release in that weekend? But yeah, those are some. I think at the end of the day, I don't like want to blame like money media for this because I guess we are kind of like part of money media to a degree, but there will be a lot of hype and like concerns and like heightened emotions around news like this because of the fear of what's happened in the past. It is truly, and I've probably said this a few times now, it's kind of like a, a form of PTSD in terms of like, oh my God, it happened before and it was a terrible bank collapse. This bank collapse is going to mean another huge global recession for those of us that like, you know, remember it the first time. But more often than not, we learn from our mistakes regulators learn from mistakes things get tighter things get more um you know the eyes what is that saying like the eyes get dotted and the t's get dotting their t's in the eyes i think that was it yeah no i, I you know what that's okay but the <laughs> idea behind it is that it gets better and we learn from mistakes and every time something like this happens it is less likely to happen in the future so if there's anything you can take away from this is that one you now completely understand what happened and like it really wasn't that complicated like people make it seem out like it was so much more and number two long-term investors do not need to worry about how this is going to cause the entire stock market to crash forever and ever can that happen possibly is that likely to happen it is not very likely so with that i think that's probably a good place to wrap it up do you have any final parting words no i think you've wrapped it up beautifully and on a positive note which is what we need always well till next time sonia until next time sim bye, bye. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. 